0: Thursday evening Um, we have been ordered by our governor this week to completely stay at home so I am uh, recording in the loft at our house and I've got uh, John with me at his house say hi John good
1: morning Revelation Church
0: so we are, uh, we're going to try to go through the next uh, blessing in Revelation. We're going through the seven blessings in the book of Revelation on Sunday mornings. And uh, this is number six, so we're getting close to the end. Um, and uh, But before we do, uh, I just kind of wanted to uh, share something that I found uh, encouraging from the book of Philippians. Uh, So I'm going to turn to Philippians chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1, Paul is writing, he is in prison. Uh, He is writing to the church at Philippi. And in chapter 1, verse 8, he says, For God is my witness, how deeply I miss all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And I pray this, that your love will keep on growing in knowledge and every kind of discernment so that you may approve the things that are superior and may be pure and blameless in the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. And uh, I, I just feel like Paul is, uh, Paul's using the technology of his day, the the letter, the Roman road to get it there to communicate with uh, people that he loves that are far away that he can't connect with in person and uh, I I feel a lot of uh, camaraderie with Paul right now that we can't gather in person but we're using the technology that we have to um, make the best of it so um, yeah so just John and I want to I want to say first off that uh, we love all of you. We miss all of you. We can't wait to gather together with all of you again. We're going to be in the book of Revelation chapter 22, Um, very last chapter. And I want to start in verse six. So Revelation 22 verse six says, then he said to me, these words are faithful and true. The Lord, the God of the spirits of the prophets, has sent an angel to show his servants what must soon take place. And then Jesus interrupts John. um, and Jesus says, look, in verse 7, I am coming soon. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. So that's going to be our text for this morning. Blessed uh, is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. So I was thinking about this. We talked a little bit about this early on in our study of Revelation, that it's easy to just think about this book as like um, a deep dive into what's going to happen in the future. Uh, And there's definitely some elements of this book that are are events that are going to take place in the future. Uh, But at the same time, I think there's some bigger stuff going on. And um, it reminds me of this um, uh, learning exercise that my kids have. They've got this deck of cards with pictures on them and um, you're supposed to hold up a picture and you set a timer for like a minute and you look at the picture and you're supposed to notice all the things that you can in the picture and then the picture gets taken away and you uh, get asked questions about what you saw, like what color was the kid's hair and how many cats were in the basket or whatever the picture's up. And the first time I did that, I felt very unprepared because I didn't know what I was supposed to be looking for. Nobody told me the rules. And so I got all these questions about like these minute details in the, in the uh, picture, and I, I hadn't paid attention to them. And I, I think sometimes we can look at the book of Revelation that way, like um, that we can, we can start reading through the book and not really know what we're supposed to be looking for so that when we are done with it, we don't really know what to take away from it. Um, I've got this quote from George Ladd, who wrote a commentary on Revelation, and he says, the prophecies of the Revelation were not written to satisfy intellectual curiosity about the future. They were written that the church might be able to live in the will of God by keeping the words of the prophecy. I think that's really important. Well, Well, again, like I would affirm that there's there's things about the future that are in this book That's not the primary reason it was written and that it's got a message for the church of every age. Uh, And I think in an age like ours, which is rapidly changing and and there's all these crazy circumstances with this virus, um, knowing what we're supposed to be
1: looking for in this book is really important. Kind of takes me back to the uh, video that we saw at Seaside in one of the uh, breakouts in which a lot of you have probably seen. It's a group of basketball players playing basketball, and they're going to pass the ball around. And your whole goal while watching the video is to watch uh, for how many passes the team does. And so you spend your time watching the ball and counting how many times the ball is passed. Meanwhile, you don't even catch that there's a bear moonwalking right through the camera frame and so I think that kind of goes along with exactly what you were talking about there Zach just kind of the idea that sometimes we can focus so much on one thing that we miss something completely different or maybe what we should have noticed but we were too focused on something else
0: yeah I think that's a really good uh, illustration John Um, because I know like I I remember reading, being, being a teenager and reading the book of revelation and um, just being super excited about like all the minute details about, about the beast and about the trumpets and about the bulls and the plagues. And, and um, it's only been recently that I've, I've rediscovered this book and some of the more, the broader themes that, that, I just didn't notice before. Like there's, there's a lot of really amazing stuff that, that really appeals to, I think our hearts uh, and who we are as the church and the people of God, that, that if you, if you just read it with a lens of um, what's going to happen someday down the road, you miss. And, and I think that's, um, that's kind of the point of Jesus blessing right here. Blessed is the one who keeps the words Of the prophecy of this book. Jesus is saying that there's stuff that we're supposed to do. There's a certain kind of person that we're supposed to be that we can glean from this book, and and if all we're concerned about is the futuristic implications of it, we're going to miss what what Jesus really wants us to walk away from. So I've got four uh, four things to keep in the book of Revelation, Uh, keep the words of this prophecy. So I've got four things to keep. Um, A lot of this comes from categories that are set up in a book called Reading Revelation Responsibly by Michael Gorman. Really good book. um, Highly recommend. Um, But he's got uh, a a couple places where he breaks down what we're supposed to be thinking about in different categories. And the the four categories, the four things to keep are um, worship, mission, prophecy, and hope. And so kind of want to go through these like one by one this morning. The first one is worship. And I think we get confused about worship. It's a lot of times we talk about worship and what we really mean is singing at church. You know, the the worship was really great today, the worship was really terrible, the worship was really loud, the worship was uh whatever the worship was. And and what we're what we th- are what we mean to be saying there is that the singing at church or the musicians on stage at church and um or maybe we think about worship as like the whole service. Um that we're gonna go to worship, or, or our worship time is at ten a.m. or whatever. But worship is really like what you bear allegiance to, what you ascribe worth to, um, what what are the things that al- that you allow to steer your heart? Those are those are the things that you worship. I think it's it's interesting how like whenever I think about worship and challenging ourselves, our church, our culture in in what we worship, I, I think of all these categories that come to mind, and it's. It's like entertainment and sports and uh, money, economic prosperity and uh, social um, freedoms and travel and all of these things that we, we pour ourselves into. And I think the really interesting thing in, in our context this week is that God is taking all of these things away from us, right? We our our, our movies have been effectively shut down for the foreseeable future. Um, our sports teams are no longer playing, we're not allowed to travel anywhere. Um, our, our economic prosperity is hanging in the balance. The stock market is crashing and people's, people are filing for unemployment and record numbers. And, and it's almost like in a very real sense, God is saying all of these things that you worship, all of these things that you hold in high esteem, I'm just, I'm going to remove all of those. And, uh, and i think the question for us in the church is how are we going to react to that what is that doing to us because i think we can recognize whether we actually worship something falsely when it's taken away if your if your posture towards um your favorite sports team or your bank account or or whatever fill in the blank uh, is such that you um, freak out when it's taken from you, then you've got an idol. You've got a false God in your life that you need to deal with. As you read through the chapters of Revelation, the people of God are worshiping Jesus in the face of their own death. Like they've, in almost every instance, they've given up everything to follow the lamb. And and it's, it's almost as if they're, they're just, um, consigned to the fact that their only hope is in Christ. And all of these other things are, um, A waste of time. And and I I really, (laughs) I really find it interesting that, that we are being given the opportunity to practice some of those things, hopefully not to our own death. uh, But, um, you know, when, when all these things get stripped away, what's left? How are we, how are we reacting? How are we, how are we orienting our hearts? What's, um, what's important
1: to us in this season? As you're talking through that, i automatically think about the refining fire and just the idea of refining gold and taking those things and really uh, stripping them away so, they can, uh, so we can be purified through that process. And kind of interesting just thinking about what we're going through this week and doing exactly what you're talking about. We start realizing where we might have our attention a little too focused in certain areas that maybe we need to pull back on.
0: Yeah. And I, I think it's, I don't know, it's, it's hard to think this way because I I mean, personally, I don't ever feel like I've been through anything quite like this. Um, I'm starting to feel uneasy about my finances. Um, you know, I, I work, Um, part, obviously I work part-time for the church. And so my salary depends on, on the, the tithes and offerings that come from our congregation. But the other half of my salary comes from primarily corporate video work. Uh, and I mean, that's kind of a luxury thing. Like companies, if they're scaling back are going to be cutting like the videographer budget first, I would guess. Um, and I guess my question to myself is, is, am I going to worship the lamb? Am I going to follow Christ all the way to the end, whatever the end is. Um, now I wrote down Revelation 13, 9 and 10. And this, speaking of worship is singing. Um, there's this, this poem, this song in Revelation 13, starting in verse nine, uh, John writes, if anyone has ears to hear, let him listen. And there's this poem. If anyone is to be taken captive into captivity, he goes. If anyone is to be killed with the sword, with the sword, he will be killed. This calls for endurance and faithfulness from the saints, and like that's not a very, uh, a very comforting verse. <laughs> it's not like you know, if anyone's going to captivity, don't worry, God's going to come in and rescue you. If anyone is in danger of death, don't worry, everything's going to be okay. It's 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 saying like it might go badly, and and the the um, the responsibility of the Christian is to be. Enduring and patient, and walking in faith, even if it does go badly, because ultimately Jesus is bigger than those things, and Jesus led the way uh, ultimately through His own death, right, to to the salvation that we are looking forward to. And um, and yeah, I think the question for all of us is is are we are we holding on to Christ as long as this turns around pretty quickly, or
1: are we willing to follow Christ even if it doesn't go well? Yeah, I think it's pretty difficult. And these times just trying to figure out um, where we stand on those things because I know for myself, I mean, it's something that I struggle with just simply dealing with change. And so going from a routine that's pretty structured with work and other activities to then being disrupted and having to work from home more often more basically throughout the whole week and just changing up my regular routine, I know can be a struggle as well. And through that, you can ask yourself the same question, like, do I trust God through this situation or am I just going to allow these little bumps in the road to affect my attitude toward the relationships that I have with my family members or anybody else that I'm in contact with? Yeah, so that's that's worship. Uh, the second thing to keep
0: is uh, mission. Uh, and mission is about uh, bringing our worship out into the world. These things that we, we, we hold on to, um, the, the love of God, allegiance to Christ. How does that uh, propagate itself out into the world? There's a, there's a section in the book of Revelation that says uh, that God's people are the ones that follow the lamb wherever he goes. Um, and kind of kind of tied in with worship, I, I've, I, was, I was watching something earlier in the week, um, and the reminder was, you know, we're, we're probably going to get sick. Uh, 70 80%, I don't know what the, the percentage is of the country is going to get this illness at some point. Um, and, and some of us might get really sick, uh, and, and some of us might not recover. And almost certainly there will be all of us that, that know someone that, that dies because of this illness. And that's a really heavy thing to think about. Many of us are going to experience financial hardship. Um, and, and if you have a job, I know I've been talking to several of, of us in our congregation this, um, this week who have jobs that are seemingly kind of impenetrable right now, uh, more busier than ever, maybe. And that's awesome. Praise God for that. But, um, we might suffer financial hardship. Um, surely we will know someone close to us that is suffering financial hardship by the end of this. Um, and so mission asks the question, how are we going to represent Jesus at that time? How are we representing who we are as Christians in light of the fact that these negative things are happening, because I think that's what—that's when mission becomes a real, uh, beautiful, important thing—is—is is when we can stand up against the world and say, "Hey, we're we're different because we follow Jesus." And and when when there's illness, when there's financial
1: hardship, that's when those differences really shine. Some of the things like you mentioned—the illness, the financial piece. A number of those things are out of our hands. We don't have direct control over those situations. So then in that situation, what do I have control over? And can I focus in on those things that then make a difference with the people that I'm interacting with, whether it be my immediate family or other people within the church or the community? How can I impact them in a positive way and show Jesus's love through these situations? The crisis is really when the rubber meets the road with
0: our faith, right? Like, are we do we actually believe the things that we sing about week in after week out at church when when things go badly? And I, and I think that's going to be a really opportun- a really good opportunity for us to um, kind of flex those muscles a little bit. Um, the third thing uh, to keep, I think, in this book is uh, what I'm calling prophecy. Uh, and prophecy in, in the book of Revelation is kind of like the reverse of mission. A lot of, if you read through the prophets in the Old Testament, we, we immediately think prophecy is like telling the future. And obviously the book of Revelation contains a lot of that. But most of the prophetic words of scripture are um, the prophets just speaking the word of God to the people. And most of the time, uh, that's the prophet with a, a message of, of repentance, of calling the people back from sin. Uh, so prophecy is really, it's not the positive of living out the love of God in society. It's the negative of speaking out against injustice. It's the church standing up and saying, this thing that's happening, this is not okay. In the book of Revelation, we we see that the church is filtering the world's message through the word of god and it's pushing back against it if it's out of line the beast shows up the 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 different characters the false prophet the dragon and they they say worship me uh i'm your savior i'm your god i'm going to bring you prosperity and joy and hope and the ch- people of god the church push back and say no we're not going to do that and i think this is hard because it's not any fun like it <laughs> it makes enemies right like like no nobody wants to be confrontational. Nobody wants to go against the flow of, of what everybody else is doing. Um, But I was just thinking about like, I think it's in in chapter 13, the beast from the sea shows up and has this mark. And if you don't take the mark and worship the beast, you can't buy or sell. And I I just, I'm just trying to place myself in the position of the Christian who just says, yeah, we're not, we're not going to do that. Uh, we're not going to take this mark. And everybody else would just be going, like, what is wrong with you? Why not? Like, it's just totally normal. This is what everybody's doing. Um, it's You're, you're not going to be able to buy and sell. Or, or you're, even worse, your life may be in danger because you're living this way. Just come on. Just do it. Get it over with. Everybody else is doing it. And uh, the follower of Christ is saying, No, I'm, I'm not. I can't. I have to draw that line. This is a place that I'm not willing to go because I hold my ultimate allegiance to Jesus. I'm not willing to give my allegiance to someone else. And so the, the saints in Revelation are, are preaching the gospel, they're standing up against injustice, they're condemning evil, uh, they're witnessing to the bankruptcy of the world system that they find themselves in. And I think, again, I think as we continue to press into whatever our future looks like over the next couple of months, I think there will be opportunities for that. I think there will be decisions that have to be made to where we're going to have to say, are we going to go along with what's expected of everyone? Or are we going to stand up and say, no, because of our allegiance to Christ, we need to move a different way forward. And I'm not sure I know what those things are. Um, but but I feel like in every generation, those issues pop up because like I, I talked about a couple of weeks ago, the, the kind of undercurrent of the kingdom of the beast is all throughout history. And it kind of bubbles up to the surface every now and then in these wicked empires. Um, but it's always there. And I think there's always decisions that we have to make to where we go like, no, I, I, don't, I don't think I can do that because I'm a follower of Christ. This
1: is the beauty of the story of Jesus, the gospel. I I think you're touching right on it. it. It's opposite of what we would naturally think. I mean, think about what Jesus did. He went in the opposite direction. I mean, he was, he's God. He's the creator of the world. And instead of just staying there, he inverted himself. In other words, came down out of heaven for us and died on the cross for us and rose again for us and that's something that totally doesn't make sense and so we can find ourselves in in a situation where it doesn't make sense but we're called to do something that's countercultural that's different than what we were called or what makes sense yeah i th- i think that's that's totally true
0: um i will be it'll be interesting to see what what the prophetic stance of the church looks like in the coming months. What, what, where are the areas that we need to just say, "Hey, this is this is what we're um, we're going to do," because this is what we've been asked to do. This is how we're going to uh, do our part with the rest of this the city that we're a part of. But in these other areas, we have to stand up and say, "No, we we can't do that. Um, we're not going to be these people because." Of our allegiance to Christ the fourth thing that I think we need to keep in the book of Revelation is hope um, Jesus in in verse 7 here says look I am coming soon this is where we find our hope hope is is something that we believe about the future uh, that we have we have a, an idea of what the reality of the future is going to be and Jesus says very clearly that the future is his return. He's going to come back. He's going to set up his kingdom. He's going to rule and reign in in righteousness. Um, Psalm 2 says with a rod of iron, Uh, there's nothing that's going to get past him. All of the injustice is going to uh, disappear. We're going to have a perfect world under the leadership of King Jesus. And the thing is, is like what you believe about the future is going to inform your decisions in the present this is why people are hoarding toilet paper is because they believe the future is a future where they will not have enough toilet paper (laughs) for whatever reason. And that's affecting their decisions in the present. Like you, and you don't have to have true beliefs. You can have beliefs that are wildly inaccurate about the future, but those beliefs are still going to influence your present. Um, I, I, I know in the church world, there's a lot of conferences that happen, and I know in the business world there are too. And many of those conferences have been canceled uh, in the in the next several months. But I'm getting emails right now about conferences that are taking place in September and October and November. And the people that put down money to register for those conferences are the people that think that this is going to be okay in a few months. But if you don't think that, you're not you're not gonna you're not gonna register for that conference, right? I think that's a really important thing to remember. As you and I've said this a few times, because we we have so much time on our hands to ask yourself the question, "Why am I reacting the way I'm reacting?" If you're if some of you, I think, are probably reacting in a way that's like, "This is no big deal. This is going to end in a few weeks." I've I've seen a lot of that on Facebook. Shout out to all of my libertarian Idahoan friends who are <laughs> not voting for the governor in the next election cycle because of <laughs> because he shut down the state. Um, but then there's others of us that are that are afraid, and, and maybe in an equally um, extreme way, just incredibly fearful about the future. And both of those reactions in the present are a reflection on what you believe about the future? What is your hope? How do you, how do you see it all going down uh, in the future? And, and I think if you have the time to just sit with yourself and go, why am I at reacting however I'm reacting? And what does that say about what I believe about tomorrow? What does it say about what I believe about next year? And ultimately, what does it say about what I believe about my own life, about the life of my family, about who Jesus is and, and whether or not I trust him? to um,
1: be the king at the end of the day? I mean, that's that's what we have to focus in on during these times is the idea that we do have a living hope. Our hope is not in something that doesn't make sense. We have a living hope that is alive and active in the world that we live in. And so ultimately what he wants done will come to fruition. So with that, if we believe that God is good, then we know that ultimately Mm -hmm. good will come out of whatever circumstances we're involved in. So it's really just taking the opportunity because it's a benefit when we have times like this where we can put the pause button. Because we can easily get so caught up in everything that's going on on a day-to-day basis that we're just running through the routine of whatever we got going on for that day, and we don't take the time to reflect, pause, put that pause button on for a minute, yeah, uh, and spend some time in the Word, spend some time praying, just recalibrating, refocusing on God. I feel like
0: at the end of this, whenever that is, there's going to be a lot of conversations that sound a lot like new year's resolutions. And what I mean by that is like every, everybody starts in January with like a new year's resolution of like, I'm going to get fit or I'm going to read more, or I'm going to start a Bible reading plan or whatever the resolution is. And you get a couple months down the road and you're like, yeah, that didn't really work out. And, and I feel like we have an opportunity here. Like, okay, we've got three weeks of, uh, you know, the stay at home order people are saying, that'll probably get extended. I, I have no idea. Um, and there's a lot of talk about like all the time we have, I'm going to start a new hobby or I'm going to read some more books or I'm going to do this, whatever. And I feel like we're going to talk to a lot of people and hopefully not, but I feel like the story is going to go, yeah, I didn't really get around to all of those things when I was on lockdown. And I'm not really sure why. And uh, I've been thinking about this in my own life uh, this week. And, and I feel like when when my hope when when what I'm looking at into the future seems fearful uh, or unappealing, if I'm just like if, if I'm overwhelmed, uh, and it could be a small thing, uh, like, like a like a like a, a work project that isn't going well, or it could be um, you know I have these all of these mixed emotions about leading the church and the responsibility that that is, and um or, or it can or or I, or I let my mind wander into just um you know big scary what ifs and, and and in the middle of this crisis and outside of it but but whenever i get that way i want to i want to be distracted like that's when i binge watch netflix that's when i scroll endlessly on facebook that's when i just let my mind wander or or i feel like you know i should just go to bed early because i don't want to deal with the world anymore when when my hope is misplaced i want to be distracted because i'm not excited about my future but when my when I, my hope is in Christ, that's when I want to get busy. You and I went to this uh, conference in Seaside, Oregon, a couple of weeks ago, and and we came out of this strategic planning session for the the church, and I just felt super jazzed about it. Like I'm, I want to get back to work and get get on like, d- uh, you know, equipping the saints for the work of the ministry. And we, I know, we were both super excited about that because yeah. our future looked really good. You know, like we, we we have this beautiful church family and this wonderful opportunity to to be one of the ways that Jesus is bringing his gospel to court d'Alene. and so when I when I look to my hope and I see something I see Christ as I should, I'm inspired to work towards my goals. I want to and in, in this in this situation I want to I want to read a couple extra books. I want to study some things that I haven't had the time to study. I, I want to use this time wisely because I know on the other side of this there's stuff to do. But when I let my mind wander into fear or um, anxiety or just kind of a blah, um, that's when I go like, yeah, I'm just going to see what's on YouTube today or I'm going to spend some more time on Facebook because I I just don't want to deal with what I think is out there. And I think that's a real um, inversion of the hope that we're supposed to have, that I need to remind myself of what my hope is in. And I was I, I was reading uh, in Hebrews um, in Hebrews chapter six, the author of Hebrews uh, writes in um, starting in verse 11 he says, "Now we desire each of you to demonstrate the same diligence for the full assurance of your hope until the end, so that you won't become lazy but will be imitators of those who inherited the promises through faith and perseverance and I think he's saying something very similar is that like if when you get when your hope is misplaced, you're tempted to be lazy because you don't want to move forward. You don't want to move into that future. But if you, if we can remember that our future and our hope is, like you said, living in Christ, then I think that motivates us. Even, Even when we're stuck at home, we can use this time and come out of it. And I hope that we have stories of, man, I got so much stuff done. I I picked up a hobby. I read an extra book. I I spent time in the word. My prayer life is more um, fruitful than it ever has been. Like those are the things I want to hear on the other side of this. And I think that's directly related to what we put our hope in.
1: I was actually thinking about it today just in regard to the laziness part. (laughs) Because, I mean, it's the same sort of thing when I've worked in a smaller building Um, there's not a lot to do. And so you kind of have to find projects to do. But if you don't really want to do that, it's not like you're going to get in trouble for not doing anything. There's just not a lot going on. So it's easy to just kind of look at it and go, well, I can get to that tomorrow. No big deal. Mm. And so you just uh, continue to do that on a regular basis. And so each day it's just like, oh yeah, no, I can get to that tomorrow. And before you know it, this whole thing is over. And like you said, then you're looking back saying, Oh man, I wish I would have taken this more serious or would have been more productive during this time.
0: Yeah. Cause I, I think you're right. I think, I mean, you know, we don't want to be people that would wish this experience on anyone. This is obviously a horrific tragedy in the world. And, and we want to grieve over that. Uh, but since this is the set of circumstances that God has given us in this moment we can we see it as a gift and use it as a gift and make use of the time that God has given us John do you have any any closing thoughts
1: yeah just uh, one other quick thought just looking at the scripture for today the blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book I I just can't help but notice that the words of this prophecy there's power in words and so I think that's something to keep in mind now that something that you have to share with somebody as an encouragement or reaching out and praying for them uh, just simple things like that actually speaking words can make Mm -hmm. a big difference in somebody's life and I would just encourage you all this week to stay in contact stay in contact with each other, stay in contact with your family members, reach out to people in the community that you know of, whatever method you want to use. But just the idea that words have power. And so take advantage of that this week as you're uh, in isolation or wherever you might be.
0: Yeah, that's good. So um, God bless you all. Have a great rest of your Sunday and we'll talk to you soon.